Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Let's start out by thanking our lovely Patreon contributors. This week we had Catherine, Casey, Kimma, Rachel, Jamila, Daniel, CMDM, Christina, Sophie, and Brandy. Thanks, guys. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Yeah. <laughs> This week, it's part two of Dean Martin. My main source for these two episodes is the book Dino, Living High on the Dirty Business of Dreams by Nick Toshe. Okay. I think that's how you pronounce it. So where we last left off, the feud, the animosity is starting to heat up between Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Love it. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back, listen to part one. Otherwise, this might not make sense. Or otherwise, you're like, I just want to hear about the latter half. (laughs) Tensions between Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis rose during the filming of the 1954 film Three Ring Circus. Back in Steubenville, Dean's close friend Smugs had just died of a heart attack, and Dean seemed to direct his anger at Jerry. As far as everyone else on set was concerned, Dean was very pleasant to work with but Jerry could sense his partner's growing animosity towards him. Rumors of a feud between the two had leaked to the press. Their PR agent released a statement co-signed by Dean and Jerry, making light of the rumors, like, oh, they're fine. Later that year, Jerry made arrangements for their film Living It Up to premiere at Brown's Hotel in the Catskills. Jerry did not consult with Dean about this, which infuriated Dean. So Dean decided that he would take his wife to Hawaii instead. When reporters asked Jerry where Dean was at their own movie premiere, Jerry replied, no comment. Dean and Jerry went two months without speaking to each (gasps) other. In October of 1955, Jean left Dean and took the kids with her to Palm Springs. Jean announced her plans to file for divorce in January. But in March of 1956, they were trying to get back together again. Then Jean got pregnant. Also in March, Martin and Lewis performed at the Sands in Vegas together, but they remained cold towards each other. The following month, they began work on their final film together, Hollywood or Bust. During the filming of Hollywood or Bust, Dean and Jerry refused to talk to each other when the cameras weren't rolling. That escalated so fast. (laughs) Right? I mean, yeah, but I guess if you think about it, like we talked about last week, it's like these guys have been inseparable for 10 years straight. It just, when it like broke, it just was irreversible. Irreversible. Right. That's what you've Unbreakable. It was, it was, it was, it, it was, was on. It was on. It was yeah. on once it broke. So they weren't speaking to each other unless they were in a scene together acting. That's so awkward. Totally. Jerry took his anger with Dean out on everyone else on set, including 
making fun of Slapsy Maxie Rosenblum, who had a small part in the film. Do you even know who no. that is? <laughs> Not Slapsy Maxie. Rosenblum. The nicest guy in Hollywood. <laughs> um, he, Jerry threw tantrums on set, Ugh. and he was just a controlling nightmare, and he even barked orders at Frank Tashlin, who was the film's director. And the director was like, you know what, Jerry, fuck you. I'm the fucking director. Don't tell me how to do my job. What a nightmare person. Absolutely. So finally, things had gotten so bad that Frank stopped production of the film just to get away from Jerry. Oh, like that's toxic. It's expensive to stop production on a film. That's how annoying Jerry Lewis was. And also like they let him do it without like going after him. Right. Right. I mean, absolutely. So he yelled at Jerry. I want you off the set. I mean it, Jerry off. You're a discourteous, obnoxious prick, an embarrassment to me and a disgrace to the profession. Did Jerry say something like, hey, ladies? (laughs) I like to picture him getting yelled at and then making a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Which sent him even more over the edge. (laughs) Just just trying to lighten the mood. (laughs) He continued, Jerry, as director of this picture, I order you to leave. Go, get your ass out of here and don't come back. Wow. Yeah. Get your ass out of here. A stunned Jerry Lewis cried all the way home. Nice. And he felt really bad. That's good. Someone finally put him in his place. I love it. And was What's like, this guy's name? Frank Tashlin? Yeah. Tashlin. Tashlin. Hero. Here. <laughs> Someone finally stood up to Jerry Lewis. I love it. So... uh <laughs> He felt bad. He begged Frank to let him come back to work. And then the film resumed shooting shortly after. You know, Dean was just smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly in the background. (laughs) He probably felt so good in that moment. So you must have felt so vindicated, right? Like imagine someone you've just like seethed at for months, finally gets their comeuppance in front of you. Yeah. It's, it must feel great. Absolutely. (laughs) Jerry compared his falling out with Dean Martin to a divorce. They had loved each other so much, and the split was equally painful. Jerry reached out to Dean and said, quote, You know, it's a hell of a thing. All I can think about is what we do is not very important, and any two guys could have done it. But even the best of them wouldn't have made us what we are. And Dean said, What's that? And then Jerry said, I think it's love. I think it's how we still feel about each other. To which Dean replied, you can talk about love all you want. To me, you're nothing but a fucking dollar sign. (laughs) You know, he didn't mean that. Wait, when did they say this to each other? (laughs) Like, shortly after this film, they were done filming this. Like, Jerry tried to reconcile. And Dean was like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Damn. Yeah. Jerry would later go on to say that he never saw Hollywood or bust and that he never would because the memory of it was just too painful. This is such a classic, like, narcissist relationship, <laughs> like, with Jerry being the narcissist. Like, he can't see... You think he's a narcissist? Jerry Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Why not? Well, I just think he's annoying. I think he's self-absorbed, narcissist. I yeah. think he's self-absorbed, but I wouldn't call him a narcissist. He doesn't see Dean's point, though. He only sees it from his perspective, and he yeah, has I to make he... it like this loving relationship. Look, I'm not a psychiatrist. Desi, <laughs> Desi is not 
a certified <laughs> mental health professional, please do not come for us. Look, we could do a Jerry Lewis show and maybe we can prove it. <laughs> we should do a Jerry Lewis show because I want to talk about the clown movie. Oh, of course. The Day the Clown Cried. Dude, we all want to see that movie. We all- <laughs> Find the movie. We need to see the movie. I imagine it's very similar to Life is Beautiful. <laughs> no, it's, I thought it was a comedy. Well, wasn't Life is Beautiful trying to be funny too? I never saw it. It's not good. I don't. I mean, no offense. I know it's that won an Oscar, film. didn't it? Oh well, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> so did Crash. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Dean's first picture without Jerry Lewis was called Ten Thousand Bedrooms," and it began filming in 1956 in Rome. Dean bought Jean, brought Jean with him. She was six months pregnant at the time. Their daughter was born in December of that year. In January, Jerry was profiled in Look Magazine. He talked about Dean. He said, quote, As early as 1949, things began to be different. Dean divorced Betty and married his second wife, Jean, and suddenly our families weren't different anymore. As time went on, I grew to believe that Dean wasn't the strong, self-reliant character I thought he was, but, if anything, felt even more insecure than I. We both discovered that we were completely different in temperament and in our outlook. I don't blame Dean for, Dean for his thinking. It probably developed out of his tough childhood. But he was never as warm or as outgoing as I'd hoped he'd be. Oh. That's rude. Yeah. Also, was his childhood that tough? Dean Martin's? Yeah. I mean, he seemed like he rolled with it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he had like very loving parents. Huh. Interesting. So Dean was obviously pissed that Jerry's out there running his mouth. Yeah. To Look Magazine. And especially the fact that Jerry brought Dean's wife into this. Yeah. Why'd he do that? What is that? Yeah. He had a beef with Jean? Well, uh, Dean fired this back to the press. Ooh. Jerry was always jealous of Jean. He was happy when Jean and I split up. I respect other wives. I could talk about Patty and Jerry knows it, but I wouldn't. (laughs) That's such a good thing to say. Like, because it just makes everyone think about what the possibilities are. You're just like innocently sitting there like, I could say so much shit. Think about it. (laughs) But I'm not gonna because I have class. Dean appeared on the NBC show tonight, America After Dark. His segment was broadcast from a party he was attending at the Beverly Hills Hotel. He was drunk. He once again fired back at Jerry and the piece that had come out in Look Magazine. So he's going for a second punch. While he's here. drunk. While he's drunk. King shit. <laughs> Absolute king shit. He said the Look Magazine profile about him was all lies, and the tabloids just ate up the split. Rave Magazine went so far as to say that Jerry had a, quote, deep, latent homosexual attachment to Dean. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this guy's obsessed with Dean. He's clearly homosexual. (laughs) Everyone was was being accused of being a homo back then. Yeah. It was the 50s. So Dean's film, 10,000 Bedrooms, was a flop. He was making $25,000 a week performing at the Sands in Vegas. Whoa. He was then cast to star in The Young Lions alongside Marlon Brando and Montgomery Clift. 
he would be paid $20,000 for his role, considerably less than he was making for just a week at the Sands, and still less than he had made on his very first film nearly 10 years ago. But he wanted to be taken seriously as an actor, so this seemed like a risk worth taking. The film shot on location in France and Germany. Brando had quit drinking at this time, but he was popping so many pills that it affected filming. Oh. Sometimes it would take between 40 and 60 takes to get a scene right. Though Brando, Martin, and Clift enjoyed shooting together, Clift did think that Brando wasn't up to his full potential. Brando also burnt his dick during production. <gasps> How? He, well, I'm going to tell you. No, I'm just going to leave cliffhanger. Yeah. Just think you about just it. think about it, Think guys. about it. How do you think he burnt his dick? He was in the hotel bar with Dean making a cup of tea when their co-star, Lillianne Montevecchi, accidentally bumped into Brando spilling hot water all over his lap. Oh, he, that's not as exciting <laughs> He had to go to the hospital. Well, third degree, like you could burn yourself from hot liquids. Yeah. Yeah. He burned it so bad he was hospitalized. Damn. For penis burns. Damn. For ball burns. <laughs> Wherever it landed, worse. Could be inner thighs as well. <laughs> like, it was a dick burn. Yeah. You got it. Dean had some insane comments about France that he just announced <gasps> to the press. He said, I despised every minute of it. I'll never go to France for any reason without taking my wife. Barney's Beanery in Los Angeles has better food. That's how long Barney's Beanery is. <laughs> yes. I had no idea. First of all, Barney's Beanery is not famous for their food. Don't at me. I feel like... I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Maybe once, maybe at one time, they had like a bowl of chili there or something. Right. Please don't at reply me. It may have had good food at one point. I've never eaten at Barney's Beanery. I don't think I have. I feel like I went there for something and maybe got food. But you never. But it wasn't like I, it was like out of desperation. Like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But you never hear people go like, "Oh, you got to get the sandwich at Barney's Beanery." No, they're not famous or anything. Like their food sucks, but the French dip is amazing, <laughs> or like whatever. Like right, yeah. So I just can't believe Dean hated the food in France. That is an insane comment to make. I mean, what did he have? Right. What'd you crazy. eat? Dean, this is the, my first disagreement with him. <laughs> <laughs> he also went on to, say, uh, to talk about the Louvre because he went there. Oh. He said, I had a guy once who did my house in two days, was a better painter than those guys. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That's a that's I, that like, is that's hilarious. funny. Don't diss France's food, but the I don't care if you diss the loop. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> Confidential magazine had been printing salacious stories about Dean's ex-wife Betty's alcoholism. Ooh. Her and Dean's four children were living with her at the time. When Dean returned to the states after filming, he was served a subpoena to testify in the defense of the magazine, which was up against several libel charges. Dean declined to testify, and Confidential wound up going out of business soon after. Now, if you remember, we talked about Confidential Magazine. In the Dorothy Dandridge. In our Dorothy Dandridge episode. uh, They had some legal trouble that we discussed then. Yeah, they were making shit up. Just making shit up. Betty, his ex-wife, was still struggling with alcoholism, though, and a few months later, Dean filed for sole custody of the kids. 
The Young Lions did remarkably well, and Dean was lauded for his performance. Ooh. Also in 1958, Dean starred in Vincente Minnelli's <laughs> film, Some Came Running, <laughs> alongside Frank Sinatra and Shirley MacLaine. The following year, Dean starred in Rio Bravo, alongside Ricky Nelson and John Wayne. The he's getting some good roles. He's, you know what? Dean does not stop working. Yeah. Like, I'm not even going to mention half of the movies right. and TV appearances that he's doing at this time. Yeah. Although I will mention a very important TV appearance he made in the late 50s, and that was on the Danny Thomas show. Yeah. Eggs, Danny Thomas style. Eggs, Danny Thomas style. <laughs> because he's famous for that. Look, Danny Thomas is a Hollywood crime scene favorite around here. <laughs> Has has absolutely nothing to do with his acting career or his work at St. Jude's Hospital. And, Just a rumor. And everything to do with the rumor that there is a sex act called Eggs Danny Thomas Style. Oh, man. Someone I know recently messaged me that they grew... They, her, their dad knew Danny Thomas. Wait, did you tell me this? Their dad knew Danny Thomas. They no. like lived near each other. And they told their dad that story about Danny Thomas. <laughs> I wish I could. Who told me this? I'll look it up for maybe another note. But their dad was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> like, I think initially the dad was like, what? And then he thought about it and he was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> like, it's a possibility. I guess. First yeah. of all, it's not like it's Danny Thomas likes blowjobs. It's Danny Thomas likes to get under a glass coffee table and have sex workers shit onto the table. That's the rumor. Yeah, so I'll have to investigate that please further. And please, please. <laughs> okay. Will you tw- do a tweet? Who's the person? Who texted me? <laughs> who, texted- who texted me that? It has to be someone I knew. Well, it has to be someone who listens. Yeah, dude, I need to look that up. Please it text must be Desi. in a recent text or a DM or please. something. Okay. Search your text for Danny okay. Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to narrow it down. <laughs> okay, go. Sorry. (laughs) Let's take a break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. 
With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. The original iteration of the Rat Pack was a group of Hollywood A-listers comprised of Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Judy Garland, Sid Luft, David Niven, Frank Sinatra, and others, who all hung out at Bogart and Bacall's Holmby Hills home and drank together. Yes. So it was just like a drinking group. This drinking group would spawn into the Rat Pack group that we know today, the more famous version, I would say. Yeah. A group of celebrity entertainers who ruled Las Vegas in the 60s. This group was comprised of Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. Lawford was the brother of, excuse me, Lawford was the brother-in-law of John F. Kennedy. An earlier iteration of this group before Dean came along included Shirley MacLaine, and they called themselves the Clan, but they wound up ditching that name for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible name. Dean and Frank were both heavy gamblers, but the money they were making performing with Sammy on the Vegas Strip was astronomical, so it didn't even matter. They were the kings of Vegas, and on top of that, Dean and Frank both owned stock in the Sands Hotel and Casino. Don't you just die wishing you could go to the Vegas during this period? Yes. Like, it's all I think about. (laughs) Like, that's that's honestly, for me, one of the hugest disappointments of my life when I went to Vegas for the first time. 
I genuinely in my head thought it would be like that. And obviously it's just not like no, that. It's not. So it was definitely sort of like, oh, because I remember seeing the sign because the sign is the same. Yeah. Like the famous sign. So it kind of gives you this like, oh, we're here. And then you just get there and it's like, oh, it's not like that. Well, even like. I mean, I when I go to Vegas or when I used to before quarantine, uh, I always stay downtown, and that's yes. like old Vegas or whatever, where it's like the Fremont Hotel and right. uh, Four Queens, the Golden Nugget, etc. That street, Fremont Street, has the coolest neon signs. They're all like super old school. It has the cowboy. Yeah. It has the cowboy neon. Um, there's like a pinup lady that they have the like neon thing. Um, what they did to Fremont street, I don't know what year they did this, but they put this like awning, like a, like a ceiling. Yes. With the lights. They, they put it over like covering, like over, like a covering over the whole strip. So the whole like, Vista is just ruined. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's like awful. this modern thing that doesn't go with all the old neon. No. It just looks like shit. I went there shortly after they put that up. Do you I know was what at, I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, of course. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I hate it. It's awful. Why would you do that? I don't know why people always feel the need to modernize, but the whole thing people like about Vegas is the old school <laughs> kind of aspect to it. Like, yeah. Or just do it on one of the new hotels. Like, don't take away from the old Vegas. Yeah, I mean, at least they kept up like the integrity of the way that all those old casinos on Fremont Street, the way they look on the outside, like they haven't changed. But right. just that they put that huge, ugly metal like roof. Yeah. Roof, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> but it's, it's like different though. It's like a grate. Because it's not attached. It's like... No, it's like an overhang. Yeah. It's weird. It's fucking whack. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Our listeners who go to Vegas know what I'm talking about. It's awful. What a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, I miss Vegas so much. So they're they're like the, the lords of Las Vegas. In 1960, Ocean's Eleven came out starring the Rat Pack. The heist film was filmed on location at various hotels and casinos around Vegas. And it would go on to become a classic that spawned a popular reboot and subsequent sequels starring George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Bernie Mac, among others. Dean, Martin's, per, Dean Martin performed the song Ain't That a Kick in the Head in Ocean's Eleven, and another version of the song was recorded shortly after filming ended with Nelson Riddle and his orchestra, which is the version we all know and love today. Okay. The single failed to make a big splash at the time, but it did go on to become what I think is like one of Dean's best songs. Oh, yeah. When the Rat Pack guys weren't filming, they were performing at the Sands. Democratic presidential hopeful John F. Kennedy himself popped in one night to party upstairs with the guys at the hotel. What a night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and yes, it was. I I love how they're like, so powerful that like we'll just film a movie here <laughs> you have to come to vegas to do it because that will have our life going on still like, right and we can perform at night yeah and they would just stay up all night after performing they'd they're still just making be drunk shit lo- loads of money too oh my god and having a blast and they're yeah you're right they're like fucking hung over that whole movie probably <laughs> yeah basically so jfk is hanging out with the guys up in their hotel suite. And Peter Lawford t- 
turns to Sammy Davis Jr. and he says, if you want to see what a million dollars in cash looks like, go into the next room. There's a brown leather satchel in the closet. It's a gift from the hotel owners for Jack's campaign. (gasps) At the party, Frank introduced Kennedy to an actress named Judith Campbell that he was fucking. Kennedy wound up fucking this woman for two years. This was like his mistress. Yeah. And it wound up being a bit of a bonding moment for him and Frank. We both stuck it in that. <laughs> she got your dick wet. She got mine wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was the sentiment. In the summer of 1960, the Rat Pack performed the Star Spangled Banner at the Democratic National Convention. Delegates from Mississippi protested Sammy Davis Jr. <gasps> performing at the event. At the same time, Dean, Frank, Skinny D'Amato, and Frank's friend and piano player, Hank Santacola, as well as Frank's silent partner, Chicago mob boss, Sam Giancarna, all acquired a majority stake in the Cal Neva Casino up in Lake Tahoe. Oh. In 1961, Skinny D'Amato went under FBI investigation. And when Dean found out that Sam Giancarna was a partner, he pulled out of his stake in the casino. But he still performed there, though. I've been to Cal Neva. Have you? No, I haven't. I've I've only been gambling in Tahoe once. Uh, I went to dinner there. Really? Yeah. I love Lake Tahoe. I was excited to go to Cal, Cal Neva because I had heard about it, obviously. Uh, so it was cool. We should go. Yeah. I really love Lake Tahoe. I, I, I went there, the last time I was there was like five years ago. They have nice house rentals. We could probably get a cool cabin. Yeah, I want a super like lodgy cabin. Yeah, the one we had was super cabin um, decorated, like literally, yeah. like there. It was like a rich person's cabin. No, that's what I mean. Like, I want to stay at a place with decor. I would never, ever, ever decorate myself. No, but you're like, you know what? I want an antler chair in yeah, this cabin, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's the time to live like that. No, and this person bought like everything top notch. Like it was, I was like, this looks like it's styled for a movie, like a cabin. <laughs> But rich people stuff? Like- well, if you had seen the movie Dumb and Dumber, which I don't oh. know if you have, nope. starring Jim Carrey. Yeah. They have a cabin? Well, uh, the cabin that they uh, are renting, I believe, or staying at in the movie is like the most ridiculous, over-the-top Aspen. Oh. Aspen in the 90s, rich person nice. decor. That's nice. It's a great time. So anyway, so that's where this casino is located, Lake Tahoe. For those of you who don't know where Tahoe is, it's in Northern California on the border of California and Nevada. Yeah. So it's right on the border. Yeah. The 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 lake is like it covers Nevada and California. So if you're on the Nevada side, you can gamble. Well, that's the whole gimmick of this restaurant or casino. Oh. Cal Neva. It's on the border. It's literally on it's the literally border. It's literally on the border. So you can gamble in half of it. And not the other half. Cal Neva. Yes. So, yeah, when I went there, they had slot machines and stuff, but it was like you had to go into this other, across this line. And in the restaurant or whatever it's called, they have the line drawn. <laughs> I think it's just decor, like, obviously. But, yeah, so they're, you know, that's how that, that's how it works. Maybe that was the casino I went to with my dad when I was nine. It's pretty much the only one, I think, in Lake Tahoe that has gambling, like in the proper Lake Tahoe, because Lake Tahoe there is all California, except for Calneva. Right? 
Well, when I... Okay, we'll talk about this okay. off the air. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Uh, where was I? Okay, so that... The Skinny D'Amato um, and Sam Giancarna, they both credited Frank, but also themselves, for Kennedy winning the election that November. Oh, yeah. They're like, if it wasn't for us, he wouldn't have won. It was close election. It was a very close election. The night after the election, during a performance at the Sands, Dean proclaimed, quote, I just talked to Jack this morning and he made me secretary of liquor. <laughs> Look, the man was an alcoholic, but he had a big sense of humor about it. He definitely did. He embraced it. <laughs> As we mentioned in our Nat King Cole episode, Frank Sinatra organized the star-studded inaugural gala entertainment, which included Nat as one of the performers. Missing from the event was Sammy Davis Jr., who he wasn't allowed to go because he was married to a white woman at the time. Oh. We will do an episode on Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, he has a very interesting life. Very interesting so life. So this is when he's married to Britt Eklund. Yes. Yeah. The Swedish actress. Yeah. And Dean Martin also wasn't at the event. In 1961, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, and President... John F. Kennedy were all named in the divorce suit of a young actress named Judy Meredith. Apparently, Judy had fucked all of those guys <laughs> behind her husband's back. Nice. That is quite a roster. You gotta wonder the circumstances. <laughs> like, did they run a train on her? <laughs> well, I, I would think that her and uh, Jerry, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, they yeah. got her at the same time. Right. Back in the 40s, yeah. early 50s. I mean, this husband, wouldn't you just be quiet about it? <laughs> what a cuck. What a way to get cucked. My wife fucked all of the Rat Pack plus Jerry Lewis and the president. <laughs> like, seriously. Don't, don't how, take those licks. How do you live that down? So Jerry Lewis would later remark that John F. Kennedy was, quote, one of the great cunt men of all time, except for me. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the great cunt men. Look, his words, not mine. That's revolting. It would be Sam Giancarna who would have who would have the adulterous evidence against the men squashed. Ooh. Those mob ties. He loved to be in the debt to the mob. <laughs> <laughs> In February of 1962, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra appeared on the Judy Garland show together. Ooh. Just two days after their appearance on the show, Attorney General Bobby Kennedy was alerted to the link between his brother, the president, and Chicago mobster John Roselli, who at the time was under investigation by the FBI. Roselli, of course, was part of the Chicago outfit headed by Sam Giancarna. Giancarna was also fucking John's mistress, Judith Campbell. Ooh. During their investigation, the FBI had found calls that Judith had made to both the president and Sam Giancarna. Wanting to quash the connection that JFK had to the mob, his brother Bobby advised him to just steer clear of Frank Sinatra from now on. Ooh. Like, you can't associate with this guy yeah. anymore. Frank had recently constructed a helipad at his Palm Springs compound in anticipation for his friend JFK's trip to California. <laughs> he even installed a flagpole there. Wow. Like, he's ready. So he's about to be very bitter. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. So Frank was fucking pissed when JFK decided to stay at Bing Crosby's house <gasps> instead. Wow. 
Yeah. He doesn't have a fucking heliport. (laughs) (laughs) Bing Crosby, that fucking square. (laughs) Delivering the news to Frank about the president was Rat Pack member Peter Lawford, who Frank would have a falling out with as a result. Remember, Peter was JFK's brother-in-law. I can picture that conversation. What do you think it sounded like? I think he's like, hey, you know, you know, you know, Peter Lawford was trying to like act like it was just like, you get it. He's president now. Like, do you know what I mean? And Frank is just completely fuming. Oh, he like in the book, it said he called JFK every name in the book. Yeah. I think this is his transition too, where he started becoming more Republican. Uh, I think think this was like where he split from that side. Because he's saying for Reagan. Right. And I, I mean, it's hard to say because I do follow Nancy Sinatra and she's always like acting like her dad had very progressive values. But I think it was pure bitterness that made him leave the Democratic Party and become Republican. He was doing it out of completely petty reasons. Yes. I don't think it was political. <laughs> That's my opinion. He's like, fuck the Democrats. Yeah, I will fucking vote against my interests and everyone's interests just to get back at them. <laughs> In April of 1962, Dean Martin began filming the comedy Something's Gotta Give with Marilyn Monroe. The filming of the movie was rough, as Monroe failed to appear for much of the scheduled shooting, citing illnesses. It was a shock to production when she managed to appear at JFK's birthday celebration at Madison Square Garden, which is where she sang Happy Birthday, (sighs) Mr. President. That's like... When you don't, you don't text someone back, but then they see you on Twitter or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like a very extreme version of that. Very extreme. Or when you say you're running late and you show up with coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The coffee's part of me getting ready. Look, that was an unavoidable aspect of my trip. <laughs> <laughs> so Marilyn was fired from the film in June and was set to be replaced by Lee Remick. This prompted Dean to quit the film, telling the press that he had signed on to star alongside Marilyn Monroe and no one else. Tragically, Monroe died of an overdose in August of that year. Something's Gotta Give was scrapped. Footage of the film wouldn't be seen by the public for many years until 1989 when it became part of the documentary Marilyn, Something's Gotta Give. In 1964, Dean starred in the Billy Wilder film Kiss Me Stupid with Kim Novak and Ray Walston. The film was a tawdry, naughty humor film that titillated critics. Like they were like, oh my, this is very vulgar, uh, including a line said by Dean that was, quote, I'd like to see her parsley. <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> her parsley? Yeah. Like her bush? I think so. (laughs) Kiss Me Stupid was condemned by the Catholic League of Decency. That's always the goal. That's the gold star of honors. Absolutely. During filming, Dean's newest single, a reworking of Everybody Loves Somebody, was so big that it knocked the Beatles' A Hard Day's Night off the number one spot in the charts. The following year, in 1965... Dean's 14-year-old son, Dean Jr., had a hit song called I'm a Fool with his band that included Desi Arnaz Jr. and their friend, Billy Hinch. They would perform the song on Dean Jr.'s father's new show, The Dean Martin Show, which is where the Christmas special we talked about on the first episode was. The show premiered in September of 1965 on NBC. The weekly variety show was a hit and ran until 1974. 
There were many celebrity guests over the years, including the Croft Puppets, who made eight appearances in the first season. <gasps> Sid and Marty Croft. Yeah. Did you like those? You know, I had vague memories of them. And then I watched them recently, like in the past few years, because they were on PBS or something. They're so demented. Yeah. I did love Simon, uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. That's the one I remember the most. But right. It's not the most popular one. That was, of course, I loved it because it had Rip Taylor in it. <laughs> I love him. Just the best. So, of course, I was like, who's that? <laughs> the following year in 1966, Frank took Dean out for his birthday at the Polo Lounge. It was around midnight and Dean commented, commented on all the hot bitches in the room. He turned to Frank and said, quote, if looks could suck cock, we'd be wilted now in this fucking joint. <laughs> Jesus. The booth next to them was appalled at the vulgar language <gasps> coming from Frank and Dean's booth. Could you imagine? Desi. <laughs> Desi. Yes. Do you remember when the table next to us was asked to be moved? Oh, yeah. And we've had that happen a few times. That's happened to us a few times when the people next to us at Ooh. a restaurant have either moved on their own volition or have asked the wait staff to please be moved. Yeah. Because of something one of us said out loud. Yeah. I would love to be next to those guys and eavesdropping. I've also had an instance in which um, the restaurant applauded when my family left. <laughs> so it's you. <laughs> It's me, it's my family, it's everyone in my orbit. I've definitely been loud and had people move, but I don't know that anyone applauded. This uh, was a very special circumstance. Yes. Look, this was a particular... <laughs> oh, look, I wasn't drinking. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so they're, making a, they're causing a ruckus. Look, it's midnight. They're at the yeah. polo lounge. Come on. I don't know. I've never what been are to you the... even doing out those people who are squares? <laughs> So in this booth was 54-year-old Frederick Weissman, who was the former president of Hunt's Foods, and he was sitting with his friend Franklin Fox. Weissman leaned over to Sinatra and was like, uh, excuse me, other people are present here, to which Sinatra replied, you're out of line. <laughs> then he called him a Jew bastard. Whoa. Then a fight broke out, which prompted... Um, which prompted, uh, what's his name, Frederick, to utter some anti-Italian slurs, <gasps> which prompted Dean to punch him in the face. <laughs> don't you, you, my friend could call you a Jew bastard, but don't you dare slander Italians. <laughs> <laughs> it was a full-on brawl. The table even broke. Whoa. Dean and Frank hauled ass out of there, and Weissman was sent to the hospital. <gasps> Holy shit. He was in critical condition with a skull fracture and underwent two and a half hours of surgery. Damn. Sinatra told police that Weissman punched him in the face below his right eye and that he did not hit him back. Dean backed him up. He said that Weissman fell across the table and hit the floor. So that's how he fractured his skull. Yeah. He's, he's like, I didn't touch him. And how did he get into, fall into the table? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone ask Frank that? <laughs> well, regardless, Weissman did not press charges. Wow. So. Keep your mouth fucking shut. <laughs> Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. By the late 60s, Dean had met and fallen in love with another beauty queen, 22-year-old Gail Renshaw, who was crowned Miss World USA 1969. Dean asked for a divorce from his wife just a few months later. Dean and Gail got engaged, but three months later, they broke up. (gasps) Dean then met and fell in love with Catherine Hahn, a 23-year-old receptionist at a beauty salon in Beverly Hills. Catherine had a young daughter named Sasha, who Dean would end up adopting. They married in 1973, but they got divorced not that long after. In 1971, Dean's son, Dean Jr., married Olivia Hussey. Now, I don't know if you have seen their wedding pictures. I haven't. But Olivia Hussey's wedding dress is one of my favorite wedding dresses ever. I love her. She's so of that era. (laughs) Oh, totally. Like just her whole face and everything. Her wedding dress was gorgeous. It was like an empire waist white dress with flower appliques and white translucent sheer puffy sleeves. Ooh, that sounds pretty. I love like late 60s, early 70s wedding dresses. Same, like Sharon Tate's. Yeah, they're they're so cool. Yeah, I love that whole style. So look up their wedding photos. It's really... Her dress is so pretty. I love it. Um, So yeah, they got married in 1973 before the Dean Martin show ended. The format changed into a celebrity roast. The first celebrity to be roasted was Johnny Carson. (gasps) I completely forgot about these roasts. Dude. Yeah. (laughs) Betty Davis was also roasted that year. These are hilarious when you go back and listen to them. They're outrageous. You can watch them on YouTube. I watched several of them. Uh, Betty Davis got roasted by Vincent Price. (gasps) Ooh. It's hilarious. Yeah, I want to see that. So when the Dean Martin show ended, the Dean Martin Celebrity Roast series of TV specials began, and that ran until 1984. Wow. They roasted Mr. T. (laughs) I didn't realize it was on that long. Yes. Where was, what was this on? Uh, NBC probably. Oh, okay, okay. I think that was the huh. network. Interesting. I mean, I guess they weren't doing them every week. They were like specials. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that it lasted like 10 years. I just would not have ever thought that went into the 80s. Like, yeah. for some reason. Um, that's so cool. I love those roasts. Yeah. That's what it was like. They're very dated. They're really dated, but they're also like some of the, I think the last one I saw was like Sammy Davis Jr., yeah. And it was like very racial. <laughs> like the humor. I was like, really? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, he was like part of it. It was, but still, I was shocked how far they went. Sometimes. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, it's very dated and it's very like, you couldn't believe it was on network TV kind yeah. of. It was, it's pretty, yeah. Yeah. So. Check that out if you if you want to trip down memory lane of a bunch of old celebrities. It's all like I've it's watched, really random get people it's too. So random. Yeah. Like it's I was, funny to see who it is. Like, right. Like yeah. I was shocked that Betty Davis was game for that. She did a lot of that talk show stuff at that period. At the end of her yeah. career. 
1976, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis reunited on stage at Lewis's annual Muscular Dystrophy Association Labor Day Telethon. Lewis was on stage with Sinatra when Sinatra said, I have a friend who loves, loves what you do every year, and he just wanted to come out. Would you please send my friend out? Then Dean Martin <gasps> entered, sending the audience into screams and cheers. It was the first time that Dean and Jerry had been seen in public together in 20 years. Wow. Frank had talked Dean into doing it, and this was kept totally secret from Jerry. Wow. So it was a genuine surprise for him. Dean was shit-faced. And you can watch this. <laughs> you can watch this. this whole thing on YouTube. And it is... Hey, look. He is drunk. He, that's how Frank got him there. That's how he got him there. He's drunk. He's holding a cigarette. He's, he's the kind of drunk where that ash of that cigarette is so long. And all you do is focus on yes. it. <laughs> and it's stressful. It's so stressful watching that ash of that but cigarette. But it like never falls. It no, gets like no. 800 inches no. long. <laughs> We've all, it's truly on. the longest thing you've ever seen. Look. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have holes in my pants from ashes. <laughs> <laughs> it truly was. So uh, Jerry is like not drunk at all. He is not at the level of drunk that Dean is. Is he crying? It's a touching moment between them, but it's I couldn't help but just laugh throughout the whole thing. And then I scrolled through some of the comments and like, this is when men were men. And Dean's like, this is when men were men. That's a take. And uh, he's so drunk, he's like slurring his words. Jerry asked Dean, you working? To which Dean replied, at the Megum. <laughs> and Jerry was trying to figure out and he goes, oh, at MGM. <laughs> Oh, man. That's how he pronounced it. Then uh, after they're done like talking and saying, hi, whatever, hey, buddy, I missed you, blah, 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 Dean and Frank are set to perform a song together, and Dean says, we got a melody to do. (laughs) And and Jerry's like, a melody? He's like, yeah, we got a melody. (laughs) I know this exact drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh... So they do a duet together, Dean and Frank, and Dean not only is forgetting the words, but he's like doing that drunk thing where he like doesn't remember to put the microphone in front of his face. So it's kind of going in and out. Right. And he's like, when he forgets the words, there's this one point where he just walks back toward the band and like, he's just kind of, (laughs) or I don't know if it, what, how, he was just like walking back towards the back of the stage. Like, maybe I'll try this. Yeah. (laughs) It looks he like did, I have a point. He does a really bad dance at some point, like, oh, a, like a drunk Dean. dance. And and Frank's like, ha, 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 buddy. <laughs> You're too drunk even for me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a mess. Dean continued to perform and act in movies and TV shows in the 70s and 80s. His last film that he did was 1984's Cannonball Run 2. <laughs> I never saw it. In 1987, Dean's son, Dean Jr., was tragically killed in an aircraft accident. Dean Jr. was an officer in the California National Air Guard, and his plane crashed into the San Bernardino Mountains during a routine training session. That same year, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr. announced a 29-date U.S. tour. This was like their, the Rat Pack is back, baby. I wish I had gone to that or knew about it. (laughs) 
Frank and Sammy thought it would be good just to get Dean out of the house following the death of his son. Yes, I remember his, him being very depressed. Like, be, like this like ruined him. Yeah, yeah, and he was already a heavy drinker. I think he just descended even yeah. worse into his alcoholism yeah. at this point. So the tour opened at the Oakland Coliseum in March of 1988. Backstage, Dean said out loud, like to nobody, just out loud, will somebody tell me why we're here? (laughs) During Dean's set, there was a problem with the sound, and for seven songs, the audience could barely hear his (gasps) voice. And he was the first one of them to go out. Their opening night. Yeah. Not good. Then when the three men were on stage together, Dean couldn't keep up with the music. He said into the mic, I want to go home. <laughs> Jesus. And the audience burst into laughter, but he was dead serious. <gasps> oh, that's so sad. <laughs> like, ah, oh, he's so funny. Wait, this is 1989? 88. 88. So he's not even that old. No. Yeah. Uh and every yeah, everyone thought he was joking. So then he took his lit cigarette, chucked it into the crowd, and just <gasps> left. Damn. And backstage, Frank was like, what the fuck was yeah. that? He's like, dude, what the fuck is going on? And Frank was also complaining to other people about Dean's performances, <gasps> just that he was off and not able to keep up. And after just five shows, Dean packed up and went home. Oh. They replaced him with Liza Minnelli. Oh. <laughs> That's when she started getting real into the rap pack. Yeah. I, I Was she? Kind of. She, I, but maybe that's why. I never knew why she started doing it. Because remember, they were both always trying to sing New York, New York. Because that was both of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I just remember when she became... A Rat Pack member. I just didn't realize this what must the have circumstances been it. were. This, yeah. This had to have been it. Yeah. They replaced her. If you love Dean Martin, you'll love Liza Minnelli. They both had drinking problems. I mean, that just seems like the wrong. I mean, look, you're going, you, you're expecting the rat, rat Pack. And look, everyone knows how much I love Liza Minnelli. I just feel like it's. Wouldn't you be disappointed if you were going there to see Dean Martin and you see yeah, Eliza? I mean, I don't know. What's the crossover there? Yeah, I don't know what the energy they were looking to bring, but that completely went in the opposite direction, <laughs> right? I mean, she's just not that. She's like very high strong. <laughs> she's not like chill Rat Pack vibe, you know? It just is a different thing to me. It's a different performance to me. Yeah. And they, but, they never had a female in that group, really. Not like a singer. Had, yeah. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. But it was probably just the name. They knew they had to get a big name. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Though Dean was not as sharp on stage as he once was, whether it was due to his drinking or his age, he continued to perform. Dean was then diagnosed with lung cancer in 1993. And in 1995, he died at his home on Christmas Day at the age of 78. I remember when he died. You do? Yes, because I did really like him. And I definitely was like the only person (laughs) who cared. (laughs) 
like in your age group? Well, because I watched old movies as a kid. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I watched a ton of old movies, like beyond, it wasn't just like whatever was on basic cable. I would like rent them like every weekend, tons yeah. of old movies. So I knew who a lot of these stars were. Right. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure you probably knew more too. Yeah. Uh, so I do remember being like, oh my God, Dean Martin died. And everyone just being like, who? Because <laughs> I think they knew like Rat Pack, but they probably thought of Frank Sinatra more than him. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. So I do remember because I liked him. He's a cool guy. I mean, the guy worked up until he died. Well, the thing I remember hearing maybe when he died or afterwards is that like the thing that people were saying was that he actually died the day Dean Jr. died. He was just going through the motions. Heartbroken. He was heartbroken. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone obviously is heartbroken, but some people seem like they can't recover. Right. Because he had other kids and like, yeah. not that it's like a substitution, but you're like, oh, I can go on for them or whatever. Right. But he really could not recover. Right. And he probably never got any sort of help or treatment. Right. So that that can't be good. Very sad. Yeah. Very, very sad. Um, but yeah, that's the story of Dean Martin. I feel like he was really fun to hang out with. Probably. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a funny guy. <laughs> he was, He did have a sense of humor. He he is very, he was very funny. I think he's like the funny rap pack. He's member. the funniest of, well. They're all funny guys. They're all because funny they're all in kinda, different ways. They're in that like vibe of like, they're all kind of like the sense of humor, which I like and a lot of people don't like, where you really burn your friends. Yeah. Like harshly, <laughs> but you know it's out of love. Some people don't like that and I can understand why because if you're sensitive one day, <laughs> you take it the wrong way. But they they really had that like you fucking roast, or like the roast, so you roast your fucking friends. They roasted each other on stage yeah. too during yeah, exactly. their performances. Yeah, so that, that kind of humor is very funny to me. Um, but yeah, I think they are all funny. In that kind of old school masculine way, like the drinking. <laughs> I just like those type of guys, even though it's problematic, probably. Yeah, Desi. <laughs> um, yeah, but I would love to do a Sammy Davis Jr. episode and a Frank Sinatra episode. I mean, there probably would even be a good Rat Pack centered one. Yeah. Just like the whole stories book. from the Vegas years. Oh, I would I'm love. sure there's like a really good book on them. But right. yeah, I mean, obviously all of these people are their own episodes at some point. Yeah. We could read the Kitty Kelly Frank Sinatra bio. <laughs> Isn't that the like uh, controversial one? Yes. I've read a lot of her books because that was something I also did as a kid. You a read- weird child <laughs> reading Kitty Kelly <laughs> I like the Nancy Reagan one, but Frank Sinatra had one and he was pissed when that came out. I know. Yeah. So, because her her books have juicy information. What They might not be true, but it's like what you want to hear. Right. (laughs) So you're kind of like into it. And look, there's Frank Sinatra is not a great guy. Like he has some bad qualities for sure. And there's stories about him that are definitely... Not, Not great. <laughs> yeah. But there is a side of him, obviously, that's very appealing if you can ignore all of that stuff if or you never, can... <laughs> if you never learn any of that stuff, your life will be perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, look I mean, forward to our deep dive on Frank. I mean, come on. 
that's like a three part. That's probably. a juicy one, dude. I can't. I can't even imagine. Where do you even begin? Because his li- whole life was famous, <laughs> like from a very young age until a very old. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And he was like always at the top. Yeah. I can't even imagine. That's what was so shocking with Dean Martin. I was like, I'd be so scared of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Like well, fucking the up like that. The second he told that guy in the polo lounge, "You're out of line." I'm like, "Uh oh, you better run." He's scary. He's very scary. Yeah, uh, very. So, okay, good. We'll have some more picks. I like those picks. One of our listeners sent you with yes. his old nose. Yes. <laughs> Someone said he looked like John Turturro. He kind of did. He did kind of have that look. I think. Yeah. I thought he was good looking both ways. Absolutely. And he got a very good nose job, I think. He, the nose job he got, whoever that surgeon was, they did a fabulous job. Yeah. Looked very natural. Very natural. Um, but, but yeah. But we like old noses too on Hollywood Crime I like scene. them both. Look, follow us on Instagram. Yes. We're very close to this certain number where we can post more stuff, I think, right? Yeah, like we're close to 10,000. When you get to 10,000 followers on Instagram, you can post a link in the stories. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. So follow us there if you don't. We have tons of good pictures. Yeah. For every episode. Um, yeah. We'll see you guys on Friday. Bye. Bye.